Hello, and welcome to Second Helpings, a Grace Fellowship podcast designed to serve up another round of insight and application from our Sunday morning corporate worship gatherings. Pull up, dig in, and get filled as we take another taste of God's greatness. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Second Helpings. I am Pastor Zach, joined again by Pastor Dan. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a hiatus there after celebrating Good Friday mm-hmm. and Easter. That was good stuff. It was, was very good, good stuff. stuff. Yeah, it's always good stuff. Yeah. If it's not good, you're in the wrong game. <laughs> That's right, yeah. If you can't get excited about Jesus on that high holiday, man. Mm. Oh, it was good. And I love the way um, I, I was having some conversations with people after uh, both of those services, but predominantly the Easter service, and just hearing people... You want to hear people saying it's a great service and it was nice and all that. That's fine. But you really want to hear people talking about Jesus. Yeah. And to have people talking about Jesus, talking about the Lord um, and expressing praise to him in just the conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a beautiful thing, right? It's what we strive for all the time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we had that and we're back now. We're in the final throes of Timothy. Yes. Right. We're at the down to, this is T minus three, right? Messages here. Um, and we're in chapter four, verses nine through 13. Um, for part A of this section. I'm just going to read it real quick, and then we'll jump back into it. Um, Paul writes to Timothy, Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Thessalonica. Uh, Christens has gone to Galatia, Titus till Dalmatia, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychius I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Also the books, and above all, the parchments. So apart from all the fun words mm. that are there, um, it's funny. Demas, for some reason, back in school, um, was learning that that was a short infirmed of Demetrius. Mm. And for some reason, when I see that word, I always want to say Demetrius. Oh. Feel free. This is America. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those things where I would actually be reading it right, but it would sound wrong. So I would look silly. <laughs> People would be like, what a dope. <laughs> yeah. You're going, I got it. Yeah, I, I have secret knowledge that I had. It's, 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 uh, you don't understand. It's, it's Chuck for Charlie. Um, anyway, going through these texts, and Dan, you were talking about the point of these relationships that we see present in, Pete, um, in Paul's life. Obviously, at this point, this is where it's very personal, right? The, yeah. in, in verse 9, there where he says, do your best, the your, you, there is Timothy. Mm. This is very one-to-one. And these are all people they would have a relationship with. They would know. Um, and you're highlighting some of the points of what are these relationships meant in the life of really both men. Um, so just kind of kick us off from there, a little bit of, of recap and just some of the things that we're looking at um, and the importance of these relationships. Yeah, I think that as Paul is in the Maritime prison and he's in this hole in the ground, essentially, and when he says, do your best to come to me, it's it's whatever it takes, Timothy, come to me, because then he talks about what he needs after the cloak, the parchments, the books. But the idea is, is that when he's there, he's not filled with bitterness. He's not filled with anger. He's not filled with frustration of, is this how my life is going to end? He's thinking about how can I better myself, focus myself, but also he's remembering the allies that he has in ministry. And he also remembers the the difficulties with people like Demas, and then we'll talk about this upcoming week, Alexander the Metalworker. Yeah. So that allies and adversaries is that uh, in the end of our days, the value isn't what you've accomplished, but it's who you have those relationships with and the missional dynamic that you're involved with people in this world. And you see it coming through these all these different characteristics of these guys is that we need people like that in our life. And we need to be like these things for other people. Yeah. 
And I just think it's really neat how he has this group of guys that have different specialties yeah. and have different relationship to him so we can learn much from him. Yeah. One of the things that really strikes me about that with the idea of um, Paul, Paul didn't have a, a concept of retirement, obviously. Yeah. No. Uh, but his ministry's changed. Yeah. He's aware of what's going on. Completely. He, he's not saying, come break me out of the prison. Right? No. He knows what's happening. This is a different than the other prison stints that he's had. Mm. Um, but, but he's not going quietly into the dark. Uh, mm-hmm. He's saying, okay, this is the pivot point. Come to me. Uh, I've got Luke with me. I, I wish I had these other guys, it seems, um, but I've still got work to be done. And it makes me think about if, if the Lord's willing and, and allows me long life and tarries, that though there might be a point where I'm not ministering um, with the kind of pace that I have now or doing the same kind of things, that we'd follow this example. Mm-hmm. You don't stop. You don't go hide in the corner by yourself. You're yeah. still working with men and women to be able to proclaim the excellencies of the God who has saved us. Yeah, and how he's exemplifying when he was giving the examples of the athlete and the farmer and the soldier in chapter two, he's effectively living that out. Yeah. He's not just giving pie in the sky advice. He's actually living out what he believes. And how refreshing is that for a leader? Yeah. That it's not a political speech that the person has no intention mm. of actually living. They just want to get your vote. Yeah. Paul doesn't have time for that. This Everything matters. Yeah. And so whether he's sending a guy to Ephesus uh, to cover that church while Timothy comes here, or he's sending out somebody to Galatia or Dalmatia, he's just on point. Yeah. And he's in a prison. He has every right to go, okay, time out. Because yeah. <laughs> he knows before he even made it to Rome, when he was in prison at Caesarea, he knew Agabus comes down and yeah. binds his hands. He knows he's going. He knows this is the end. Uh, he says, I've been poured out like a drink offering. He has every right to say a little me time now and take a time out, but he doesn't, yeah. and which is amazing. Yeah. It's incredibly inspiring that God's Spirit working in him to make much of him, and certainly the reason why is because he is the example of Christ. Yeah. That's exactly where Christ, faithful to the end, yeah. how inspiring, and how that goes against our Western culture, yeah. the idea of everybody looking for retirement, I want to relax, I want to kick back, the John Piper book, very famous book, uh, Don't Waste, Don't your, waste life. your Life. Yeah. Uh, that's... If you want to look for worldliness, worldliness isn't as much. Uh, it can be sitting on a bar, getting hammered, certainly. Yeah. But it's also thinking about retirement and rest and ease. Yeah. That's as worldly as that. Yeah. And I think one of the great things to think about, if you've read anything else from Paul, uh, there is a sense in which he is going after me time, right? Hmm. Because the reason that he's running strong towards the end is he is, in a sense, going after what's in it for him. Yeah. He knows this is the flavor yeah. I want to take. He's yeah, yeah. tasted yeah, yeah. Christ Jesus and said, more, more, more. It's not the ease. So yeah, you're right. He could be in the prison and be like, yeah, it's time to hang up the cleats, man. Yeah. I'm going to come in easy. Um, but it's... Because I, what I don't want people to get is the impression that it's just work, work, work for the sake of work. Yeah, that's right. Paul never worked for the sake yeah. of work. Yeah, he yeah. tells you he's working for the display of the goodness and righteousness of God because it makes him happy. Yeah. And that's how I, I would hope that we would all want to do that. Yes, our faculties will give way if the Lord decides for us to to, to, um, to live longer. Things will get harder, will be slower, those kind of things. Uh, there, uh, there's there's some people out there twice my age that could pace me, so I understand that's not always the rule. But Paul is not saying simply, I'm just going to work for the sake of working. He wants to use these last days and times that he has to experience and maximize the joy he can have in Christ. Yeah, it's a good point because uh, certainly we don't have the idea that he was doing this because he it was a drudgery, it was yeah. a have to. I think, again... Depending on who you think wrote Hebrews, I think it's probably more Apollos, but that's another subject. But writing for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. 
That is so contrary. What what is good about the cross? Well, there's nothing good about the cross, but the what it will produce yeah. was joyful. Same thing with James. It's not the difficulties we're in. No one is supposed to be um, a masochist that I enjoy difficulty. But what difficulty does, it produces something in me. Like we had somebody in Taste of Grace this week ask about a new person to our church, just a reception that we do after the service. And they said, why did so-and-so die? And they listed somebody. Because uh, I said, if you could ask God any question, what would you ask? Mm. And they started crying. And, and they said this. And so what a joy. I said, you know, it would be great is if there was a point in time in which you could know exactly what God thought of death and thought of your sorrow mm. and how he would react. And I said, and you have it. Mm. So we turned over to John 11, mm. Jesus and Lazarus. We mm. walked through the passage, mm-hmm. and the result of that conversation was, isn't God good? Yeah. It's it's not, oh, no, loss, loss, loss. We have to, we have to, we have to. It's like, no, he is good. He is great. Look what he did. Jesus wept. He's engaged. He's in our situation. Uh, and that's the joy of of knowing Scripture and who Christ is, and um, gives us hope every time if yeah. we see it right. I thought about the idea. So uh, that this isn't my wheelhouse of sports, but baseball. I, I did used to follow baseball a long time ago. Um, but you think the idea: the guy hits the home run. It's season. It's week two of the season, right? He hits the home run. It's gone. The point is scored, right? Like yeah. the, the home run is gone, and he trots around the bases, right? He knows that he's going to get. He gets to go into home plate, right? When that's a series winning home run, they run because they want to get to the home plate and touch on it and celebrate with their friends. Yeah, yeah. And I think we have a tendency to think about the the ball is gone. Yeah, the, I've, I've scored the thing right, um, and I just kind of trot along. It's you know, but that's not the way Paul ran. Yeah, yeah. Paul was going. I want to get to home plate. I want to yeah. celebrate this, and uh, I see a lot. And it's, I've I've been thankful to have the opportunity um, to see a lot of saints that have walked with the Lord for a long time that just. Going easy wasn't in it for them. Mm-hmm. They went hard to the end. Uh, and it's joyous to watch, and I'm thankful for it. And I, yeah. I, I hope to have the presence of mind and the ability and powering of the Holy Spirit to do the same. Uh, it's a good way to end. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to pivot that, and just the way that perceptions can be a little bit off, to this statement about Mark. Yeah. Um, because I think if you read over it, mm-hmm. it could make Paul seem a little heartless. Because in, in verse 11, he says, um, get Mark and bring him with you. Mm-hmm. And the next thing he says is that because I love him, because he's a great pal, because yeah, I yeah, want to yeah. spend time with him, for he is very useful to me yeah, in yeah. ministry. And I could see, like, that's that's not generally how I'm going to talk to my wife on our anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Buddy, I love you so much. You tool. You are so useful. <laughs> yes, right? And maybe I should do that a little bit more. Um, but I, <laughs> I mean, the, the, to, to, to say the part of... Uh, how how thankful I am for what there you do. go there you go because that was concerning yes and I'm not going to tell my wife she's a tool <laughs> no, that's a, good uh, idea marriage advice 101 no, good idea don't yeah. don't do that yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but the idea and that when Paul's saying this that he's useful for ministry mm-hmm. yes there is a sense in which he is a, a tool he's an asset for it but you got to think about what Paul thinks about ministry yeah. uh, we just put that in context. This is life. This mm. is joyous. I want to surround myself with people that are going to be effective mm. in helping me to meet my end of proclaiming God's yeah. greatness. Yeah. Um, and I think we, we figure you don't really love somebody unless you make much of him. Mm. But with a little bit, I think, of fair reading between the lines here, you can see that Paul's loving somebody without making much of him at all, mm. but because he helps to make much of Christ 
which is how we all experience joy. Yeah, which is interesting because Mark, we don't know exactly from this. We do know in Acts 13, he walked away. We yeah. do know in Acts 18 that he uh, was re uh engaged at least by Barnabas. Barnabas is his cousin. So why exactly is he useful in ministry? Because Paul, again, is in jail in a hole in the ground. What is useful about that? Like what exactly? I think just the mere fact that Paul didn't waste his time with Mark, because he could have at one point must have thought he might have wasted his time because he left. He was a hindrance at some point. That's right. So the idea, maybe just his presence goes, it's encouraging. Yeah. That knowing that at one point you weren't ready, now you are, and now you're clearly encouraging. And Barnabas, his cousin, was the son of encouragement. Maybe Mark had a unique ability to encourage people or say kind words to people. There's some usefulness to ministry uh, that Mark was that he wasn't at some point, and how we need to remember that with people in our own lives, that people you go, they weren't helpful at this point, but that's because they weren't mature. But don't give up hope yeah. because God has a plan for them just like he has a plan for you. And we probably need to hear that for our own life, right? Yeah. Like there's a, that you are hopefully maturing and becoming more and more effective, uh, a better um, helpmate for your brothers and sisters in Christ as we work together to do this ministry. And even if you, on Sunday I was talking with a parent, uh, someone encouraging them going, listen, be careful not to treat your 14-year-old like they should be 18. Mm. In other words, they're going through issues now. And just know that God's doing something in them. Don't exasperate them. Don't think they should be more. Open the door for change and growth. And just like Paul would do with Mark. Yeah. That's a good way that we should really think about that with discipling one another as well, too. Like, oh, I yeah. hope that Big time. more and more we're having more people entering into discipling relationships. Yeah. I hope that's something that becomes a more of a priority for more of you. To not only be discipled, but to be discipling. Yeah. And I know as uh, early on in my career doing that... Uh, I did not have the type of patience that I have now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and thankfully, by God's grace, I don't know that I did too much harm. But it's something for us to be mindful of when we're working with people. Yeah. You, you, the, the way that somebody that's falling behind you is coming along, it, it's not contingent upon you. You yeah. need to be faithful. Yeah. The Lord's doing a work here. And let yeah. that be an encouragement to, to you as you do it. Yeah, and there's a balance that you... They need to bring game. You That's don't want right. to have somebody yeah. join, be disciple and they're not reading scripture and yeah. they're not doing what you're asking them to do to round them off. Yeah. So there comes a point which that's true, but it also is true that maybe your personality is such and the way you're gifted is you hand that person off to a Barnabas yep. Yep. and recognize that's just where they're at. Be sensitive that you can't serve them the way you'd like, but it doesn't mean their hope is lost. That's right. Yeah. yeah. The Lord's got this work planned. What is, I mean... But, it sounds so easy to just say, he who started a good work in you will finish it, right? Mm. But he who started a good work in you will finish it. I mean, that's, that's not something that just goes on the back of a card that you give to somebody for encouragement. This is true. The Holy Spirit's working. Yeah. The Lord has written a plan for each person's life. We get the privilege of playing a part in that. Um, so don't be, de- don't be despairing. Pay attention. Yeah. Be encouraging. Um, and realize the Lord will have a work that he's going to bring about. And it's really important to remember this is his church. And like in Romans 14, where he talks about uh, strong Christians and weak Christians. And one of the things that Paul says is he is the Lord's and the Lord is able to make him stand. So mm-hmm. as a strong believer, you don't go, hey, get your game together, weak believer, mm-hmm. as if it's in debt, you're there indebted to you. It's a, no, they're the Lord's. Yeah, that's right. You are playing a role in their life, but you are not the Lord in their life. Yeah. And so 
be very, very careful to take people where they're at, not where you want them to be. And they are ultimately answerable to him, not to you. Yeah. And I want to use that as a segue to think about maybe a little bit of an opposite of that, that implication is that as we're seeing this here and Paul's listing these names, because um, you, you could go, well, if it's just the Lord, maybe I don't even need to be in the game. Right, just mm. between them and the Lord, and I think we'd obviously say that's foolish on its face. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I think what you really see here is Paul's talking about this in a personal letter to Timothy. There's names to be listed. Mm. There's people that he's done work with. There's people that he's discipled. Presumably, there's people that have worked in Paul's life in a discipleship relationship. Like he's had these things develop. It is quintessential to the Christian life, and you mm. talked about this, alluding to Hebrews, mm-hmm. um, in the end of that that you must be engaged with other Christ followers Mm. if you're going to do the work of ministry. There is no solo acting in the body of Christ. Mm -mm. It's a body because of its parts. Um, And I just think that all of us need to have that encouragement from time to time to look at where we're at and say, are there people that I have these type of relationships with? Not just the fishing buddy, Mm. not just the, the, the mom that I go on walks with in the neighborhood and those kind of things. Are we really working together to where we're having this type of investment in one another? And if not, you're missing something very valuable. Yeah, and I think that, again, this paradigm needs to be shifted. People have a tendency to think, uh, or at least culturally think, the monk on the mountain in the castle, he's really spiritual because he's by himself meditating. And I would argue he is the quintessential, using your word, non-spiritual person. Yeah. In other words, you can't live out the Great Commission on a mountain in a castle. Yeah. That's that's safe in, in, in large measure. That's not only ignorant, yeah. best case scenario, he's incredibly ignorant of what the scriptures say. Worst case scenario, it's just flat out evil yeah. because you're out of the game completely. The other thing is where people, we don't say that, but some people go, I'm type A personality, so I don't make friends, so like it's a pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you actually don't right. get a pass. <laughs> you are type A, understandably, but God can do a work in you and yeah. open yourself up to at least a smaller group of people. Yeah. In other words, the enemy wants those excuses to be generated because as long as he limits your relationships, the potential reformation that can happen in your life because of those relationships. If I don't know you very well, I don't have to deal with your garbage, then I don't learn how to love difficult people. Yeah. But if I know people who are difficult, that's a gift because now I've got to be transformed by Christ to change to meet that person or the impatient person. I've got to develop patience. But if I don't know you, I don't need to. And that's where the people who jump from church to church to church to church, some, I think, think I'm looking for a better church, okay? Um, And that can be understandable at one level. But very often they don't realize they're enslaving themselves. They're on a kind of a demonic uh, round roundabout is that when they're doing this, they never get to know people long enough. And you track 10, 15, 20 years. Um, they haven't really changed. Why? Because they haven't been in the lives of people and no one's challenged them to change. They've just been a consumer. Yeah. And they might think they're really spiritual, but I'd say you're completely and utterly not as spiritual as you think you are because you landed a church that is following hard after Christ, that is doctrinally correct, all that, but never perfect. And thank the Lord for that, because that's going to push you yeah. to meet people where they're at, not where you want them to be, to be stretched, to be learn how to forgive people that you got to see every week. You need those imperfections if you're going to be transformed. Yeah. We need other people. And so that consumer mentality is just uh, really, uh, it's a serum of the enemy yeah. to keep people drugged. Yeah. 
And in America, um, we've got drug dispensaries of that serum yeah. going out, yeah. of people just being consumers, yeah. and it's incredibly dangerous. And, you, and you've touched on this a couple of times, and I think it's something... I don't care if it becomes redundant for people to hear this because it is something that's coming down the pipe in the future more and more frequently. This idea of online church, yeah. online community. Yeah. It, there's just no. No, like, it's, just, I, it's not possible. Yeah, it's online not, community is an oxymoron. Yeah. it's the And the idea that you think that's a thing, it needs to be a wake-up call to you that you're yeah. probably already drinking the poison. Yeah, right? for sure. This is, the, yeah. you go, well, there's some benefit to it. Absolutely. There can be a lot of things that have some oh, benefit to them. Yeah. But why would you want to try to waste your time on lesser things, right? Yeah. You cannot have that. We are designed to be together. I think of mountaintop experiences you see in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. You see Moses and Sinai. What's the Lord do? Go back down to the people. Yeah. Peter, let's build some... T- Come on, yeah. Peter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to be yeah. with the people, right? Um, and I, I've thought about that actually recently with the um, when you were talking about... I don't remember when we were doing this, about um, Jesus telling Peter to feed his sheep, yeah. right? Um, and I was thinking about going back to the transfiguration. Mm. And it's like this idea of let me just stay close with you. And the final, Jesus' like kind of final parting shots to Peter are go be with the people, Peter. Yeah. And I'm going to give you exactly what you want. You want to be in my presence? Yeah. Go, go with yeah. the people, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we miss that in a society that's, you know, we, we're the, remember young enough to remember or old enough to remember the me generation, right? Mm. That, that didn't go away. We're still thinking me, me, me. You've got to be around other brothers and sisters so that you can get more of Jesus. Yeah. And we can't let that get away. And the challenge is um, is that you've got pastors, some I think well-intentioned, they just go, I want to get the message out, I want to get the message yeah. out. The problem is you've got to differentiate the community that is the church and the message that you're getting out. So the message is fine. Put out material, put out content, all that other stuff. But it can never be a substitute for the local church gathering. It can never be the substitute for community. You're never going to have community. You can get information. You can get insight. But you can never get community until someone's in the room who can't shut you off Mm -hmm. or you can't shut them off. If somebody can shut you off or you can shut them off, you can't have community. The best you can hope for is information. And so the challenges is that pastors aren't making that distinction. And I think some are just ignorant. I think some are absolutely conniving because they just want a giant footprint. And those are the peoples to to be careful of. Because the other thing is you can't have a community, but you also can't measure the effectiveness and sincerity of a pastor. If you can't be around them, if you can't see them, if you can't know them. And some might say, well, I'm in a church of 5,000 people. I never know the pastor. I would say, if you don't know any pastor, like if there's not a delineation of different types of pastors and you don't have a pastor that you can connect with, that's a problem. Because if you can't function as the church does in the New Testament in relationship and knowing the pastor, if you can't function in that, what makes you think you're healthy? Yeah, There comes a point in which you go, if it doesn't quack and it doesn't walk like a duck and it doesn't, then why do you keep calling it a duck? Why do you keep calling it a church? And so these are hard things to say, but they need to be said because... Those are the churches. I call this time the kind of the great winnowing of the church because I think that there are a lot of churches that are, are showing their true colors, yeah. that they aren't true churches. Yeah. They're organizations. They might be outreach outposts, but they're not churches because they don't do the things that the church was told to do yeah. in the New Testament. Yeah. And I want to piggyback on that to say that's not a, that's not a gloomy statement. Like I, like no, it can yeah. be sad in a sense that you see some churches falling apart or you're sure. going, well, this church used to be so strong. Well, I, I would argue... 
they just looked strong, but they yeah. were just waiting to get a punch in the mouth, right? Like it's yeah. the um, so uh, the, the winnowing of the church and that kind of thing. And we're not sitting here trying to just judge everybody. We're no. not going to give you some no. manual for how to do that. But there's a when we're we seem that we're going to come into a time of maybe greater travail in this country and yeah. for Christians. It'd be nice to know who's on the team, yeah. right? You need so to be aware. It's, it's a gracious thing that's happening. And I would say I want to piggyback what also when you said about the pastoral thing. Not only if you don't know a pastor. But if you're in one of these environments where there is a head pastor and nobody knows that pastor, yeah, yeah. he's not in relationship with anybody. Yeah. I'm going to make a bold statement. Yeah. Don't listen to him. Yeah, you got to like, get out. Yeah. That that guy, if he's not in relationship with anybody at all in the church, he sh- you shouldn't be listening to him. Yeah, if if you're told to make disciples and you don't have people around you in which you're pouring into, yeah. then you're not making disciples. That's right. So how can you lead a disciple making group of people. Yeah. You can't. And that's and, that's kind of my point is, is the reason you don't listen to him is because I think he's disqualified himself from yeah, that office. Yeah, yeah. And it could be that he's blind, but it also could be he's a wolf. So mm, again, true. we're not trying to, you know, we don't want to have people walking around with their radar up just uh, con- yeah, we're know, not a witch accusing <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah, we're <laughs> not demon hunters yeah. here. But the idea is being discerning, yeah. you have to be because it. I hear stories every week of people yeah. Who are like just today uh, finding out that Baylor has started an LBGQ, whatever the rest of the, the things are uh, at at Baylor. So it's a Christian supposed to be a Christian school, and they're talking about. I actually saw one of the representatives of the school go. We can still have our values, but we'll create an accepting environment for people who are oriented differently sexually. And so you go. You can tell yourself that, but you can't do that. You can't say we're going to have a value distinctive of following Christ, and yet we're going to create an, an environment in which people don't have to follow Christ. Yeah. It doesn't work well, like that. You're nicer than I would. I am because I would say you can absolutely keep your values. Your just values aren't what they think they are. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and but the, but these are people who are smart, informed. Yeah. That's right. And when they say that, they say it with such a straight face. That you just, I want to say, I want to kind of be in the room and go, can we just pause a second? Do you really mean what you're saying? Do you have any idea? And I would think they would totally have an idea or they're incredibly ignorant. Either way, you don't want to be part of that organization. Yeah, absolutely. But you have to be aware. Yeah. We can do a whole other podcast about the lack of logic and reason that is being applied with intelligent people, seemingly intelligent people in our world, particularly in the church. Well, I'll tell you another story. Uh, We're swapping stories. I had somebody the other day that doesn't go to this church, and we were talking about an issue, and they said, well, you know, we can't there's nothing for us to say because he was out sin cast the first stone i said hold on a second did you think about what you just said like we're talking about a subject and we're saying it's clearly a right and wrong issue and this person's comeback is we can't say anything so i said at what point you must you be pure enough that you can say something another jesus's point in john 8 is not that oh i can't say anything i don't have enough to be because the implication is the Pharisees couldn't cast a first stone, but Jesus didn't cast a first exactly stone. Exactly right. So who is okay? That's not at all what that passage is talking about. But this person, well-meaning, I think sincere, wanting to be kind, stumbled into that, and they should have known better. Yeah. And so you have to stop and go, let's both sharpen our discernment acts here. Let's think about what was going on in John 8, what exactly the point of that is. Yeah. And how that, what you just said, absolutely has no bearing on this. Yes. And just for clarification, if you're going to look up, Jesus' point was don't kill them. It was not don't do anything. <laughs> Stoning is killing somebody. Well, and also, the, if you go back, the witnesses, you know, you're supposed to have witnesses. Yep. 
the guy isn't there. That's right. So it's supposed to be both. Yeah. The guy's not there. The witnesses, therefore, aren't sincere, and the witnesses haven't identified themselves. The witnesses have to identify according to Deuteronomy. So this is a complete setup. They're not interested in the well-being of right. the woman and the man and the holiness of God. They're interested in trying to condemn Christ. They're disqualified. So Jesus says... No one judges you. I don't judge you. In other words, the basis of his judgment is Deuteronomy. And there's not the evidence. There, everything right. is put, not put in place. So therefore, I can't. And then he says, go and sin no, no more. more. So the point is not wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's there's right. nothing we could do about it. Stop what you're doing. Yep. But according to the law, I can't do anything. And these guys don't care at all about you, nor the law. And if you use the logic that was trying to be applied, that means Jesus would have just cast a stone in that sense. Yeah. Right? It's the, which, who was without sin. Yeah. But the point is, these, this lack of logical interpretation of Scripture, it's not as hard as we think it is, guys. No, just attention. linger over the text yeah. and read it. Ask questions, study. Yeah. And then you'll find an answer versus don't just regurgitate when somebody quotes a verse. Right. Find out what the verses are around it. The old never read a Bible verse. That's right. Uh, it, it has a meaning. Yeah. Make sure your intent lines up with its intent. Yeah. Which, hot tip here, if you want to, and when you watch this, if it's still available, I just saw on christianbook.com that they have reader's Bibles for $4.99, an ESV version of it. So it's a really good... <laughs> I say that the reader's Bible has no chapters, no verses. Yeah. Um, and it just, it it really has been beneficial to me. For yeah, me. yeah. You don't read a verse, right? They, the, Hopefully those, those were inspired, right? Five or 10 years from now when somebody <laughs> might see this. Go, oh. There you go. Yeah. Well, I think that's the problem is they're being out of, but being out of, uh, taking out of print. But it's really valid to go back and make sure you're reading the scripture well. And speaking of studying the scripture well, we're going to continue in this text um, yep. coming this week. Um, what do we go through this week? We go all the way through... We're going to go 14 through 19. There we go. Yeah. And then we've just got one left yep. after that. So yep. until then, we will uh, hope that you guys are taking these things to heart, continuing to focus on spreading God's fame, making disciples of Jesus Christ. It really kind of sticks out when you're thinking about these names here. Mm-hmm. Be living your life for God's fame and making disciples. And until we see you next time, be good. Good. Enjoy the Lord. We'll see you later.